Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Welcome to the latest episode of Five on the Floor on the Five Reasons Sports Network. Thanks for joining us on your favorite podcast app. We're on Podbean, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts. We're also on Dash Radio on their Nothing But Net channel every single weeknight at 7 p.m. Also, check out Five Reasons YouTube channel. Make sure you hit like. Make sure you hit subscribe. You'll get every stream as it goes up. We don't do just the heat there, although we do a ton of heat. Before floor, an hour before every heat game, that will continue in the playoffs. Post up 5R, hosted by Royal, Jonathan, and the crew. As soon as the game ends, Dono Daily every single day of the week. We've got MMA shows, F1 shows. We've got Marlin shows, pre and post game now. We've got Panther shows. We've got everything. So check it out. Five Reasons YouTube channel. We're up to 18,000 subscribers. And FiveReasonsSports.com. Make sure you spell that one out. The latest no paywall content. We don't make you pay like the newspapers from Brady Hawk and others. Also check out the great sponsors of the Five Reasons Sports Network. Make sure that you're going to prizepicks.com. Make sure you're using the code 5FIVE. Playoff props are already up. The play-in props are up. You can play those by themselves. You can play those with MLB. You can play those with NHL. You can play those with just about anything. A lot of people want money going over on Tiger on Sunday. Prizepicks.com. Use the code 5FIVE. Get your initial deposit match. People are like, they just give you the money. They just give you the money. Put down $100. They will give you $100 to play with, and you don't need to play with it all at once. So it's an app. You can also check it out through the website at prizepicks.com. Make sure you're using that code FIVE. And now, tonight's episode. Down to Five on the floor, ride for my dogs. Where here's the thing, you can check the score. Hustle hard, couple scars, wearing bubble frogs. Just like Bucket said, you in trouble, y'all. Kept the floor playing, got an all band. Y'all seen the block, stop the one hand. And Pat, we trust, it's power, have the guts. We're here to bring the heat, y'all can hang it up. Welcome to Five on the Floor, a daily insider show on the Miami Heat and the NBA featuring Ethan Skolnick, Greg Sylvander, and Alex Toledo, plus others from the Five Reasons Sports Network. All right, Ethan Skolnick back on Five on the Floor. Here's tonight's floor plan. I got Alex Toledo. You can follow him at Tropical Blanket. I've got Greg Sylvander. You can follow him at Greg Sylvander. Check out the episode from last night. Uh, Greg and I went through, uh, along with Brady Hawk, Victor Oladipo and what he did in the final game of the season, scoring 40 points, whether or not he might crack the rotation. Our Victor Oladipo episodes tend to be very popular. Uh, (laughs) A lot of interest in the fan base of those. The downloads always go up. Uh, We're not going to do a ton of that today, so make sure you check out the last episode. But we've been taking some questions from our what we call our winnow string. It's off the floor. Um, That's a subscriber-only string. It's free for the first week and $3.05 after that, at least for now. I would sign up soon, guys, Um, or girls, whoever it is. Uh, But make sure you check on that out because we give you exclusive content. But we also engage with uh, our subscribers there, and we've been taking topic suggestions. And this is kind of an offshoot of one of the suggestions that came in. And it's a pretty simple question that we asked before last playoff series. And the answer to it, or last playoff year, before the Heat got swept by the Bucs, and the answer to it, 
turned out to be that everybody failed. Uh, they got swept out of the playoffs. Jimmy was not stupidly locked in. Bam wouldn't take a jumper. Tyler Hero didn't take a step. Duncan Robinson didn't contribute anything. Eric Spolster got out coached. And the Heat, yep, they got they got blown out of the building in three of the last four games of that series. But we're going to ask the question again. Whose legacy is most at stake in the upcoming postseason for the Miami Heat? And we have not prepared this in advance. This is another one we're springing on, on our, uh, our other hosts here. But whose legacy is most at stake? And again, we don't know who they're going to play in the first round. Got a play-in game coming up between the Nets and, uh, and the Cavs. No Jared Allen in that one coming up on Tuesday night. And then, of course, the Heat could still face either Charlotte or Atlanta. So, so basically, they've got four possible opponents. I'll go to you first on this, Greg. Who is, is the first person that jumps to mind whose legacy would be at stake with this playoff run? Well, first of all, the 2021 playoffs, the Heat were just tired, damn it. That's how that's, that ended. We're not going to talk about failures as it relates to that team. But moving on to the topic at hand, this is interesting, actually, because like when, when you just sprang that on us, I immediately got reaction said Jimmy Butler is the guy whose legacy is – there's most at stake, I would say. Um, and then as I started to kind of just unpack it quickly before we started to talk about it, I thought about kind of the buzz lines that you've heard about Eric Spolstra with the like hasn't won 50 games without LeBron. I guess you could say he hasn't won a championship as a head coach without LeBron James. Um, I think that there's some of that that's interesting to think about, but this is this is easy for me. It has to be Jimmy because Eric Spolstra has a championship legacy, and no matter who you say he did it with, he did it. And Jimmy Butler has yet to do that. Uh, and this season in particular, I feel like it's likely going to be as good as we're going to see Jimmy Butler going forward. So to me, it, ha it has to be him. Alex, uh, Brady put up the numbers about Jimmy. I did too, but uh, Brady's stuck out even more so that essentially had he had the exact same season this year as last year, like every statistical category. I mean, even to the, and the number of two pointers he made per game and the number of two pointers he attempted, was he was eerie. the same per, per 36 minutes. He was the same player. He played roughly the same number of games. There were 10 more games available this year. He played three more than he did last season. So he actually was less available by percentage than he was in the 72 game season. Um, but he, he had the same year. And yet I feel like the narrative on him has shifted a little bit because we went from, he comes out of Philadelphia and he carried Embiid and Simmons in a playoff series, right? If they'd won that series, if Kawhi's shot doesn't go down, Philly may end up going to the finals. Jimmy Butler was the best player for Philadelphia in that series. Okay. Then he comes to Miami and he has really a, a very good playoff through the first three, round, three rounds but but he had some ups and downs actually even in the even during those three three series but then the finals the two games that apparently the ringer pod has forgotten because the heat did win two games in that playoff series not one they were not beaten in five they were beaten six and and but then last year he stupidly locked in and he's outscored by Brent Forbes like where are we with the playoff jimmy narrative right now well, a playoff Jimmy narrative, like this is where I think you give credit to what Leif was talking about here as far as his legacy being on the line is because I think that's the most recent thing. And therefore, that's the most prescient narrative when it comes to Jimmy Butler and his performance. And I think that's what kind of led the way, you know, that type of thinking preseason, you know, specifically starting in the offseason after they got eliminated, 
kind of led the way towards, you know, Jimmy having a good season. But then once that drop off started, people were, I think, a lot quicker to start with kind of the, the talk of his decline than maybe um, would have been done in the past. Right. And maybe I'm making, you know, cor- uh, I'm making a correlation out of something that isn't. But it just really does seem that way. Like, I think when you look at it like, OK, he's at, they're having a drop off. You know, he doesn't he's not having these games where he looks like finals, Jimmy, where he's taking over because that's not how the Heat play. So you don't have those reminders that he's this high level player constantly, even though he just does what he does on a night to night basis for the most part. And then you just look at it like the last thing we saw him playing on a on a on a, you know, in games with stakes, it was not good. Like he he did not do his part. But we also know the context of everything that happened, you know, um, as far as not the heat being tired, everything we've talked about and, and did talk about all of last year, et cetera, et cetera. I think I really think it has it, it comes down to more just basketball stuff. The Heat versus Buck series was not a good one. The Heat were completely outmatched, were not ready for it. And they just got blown out the, the door. Like, I don't think it, it was even close. And we thought that the Heat could win that series. We were dead wrong. And that team just turned out to be not as good as we thought, especially at that time of the year. And so to me, that's probably what informs my opinion that I, I don't think that is the level of Jimmy Butler. I think the guy he's been throughout all these regular seasons is kind of the level he's at and that he could take that up a, a notch during the playoffs. So I, I don't necessarily get too informed by what happened in the last playoffs run. And maybe that's me being naive, but that's where I am. I, I think that this is influenced somewhat by uh, the context of where we see Jimmy going forward, because the reason that I don't necessarily put him first is because I don't think that his performance is as determinative of how far the heat go now and in the future as it was two years ago. And it doesn't mean that he slipped as a player, but it means that other players on the team have gotten better. I, I think when you look at, uh, again, the, the, um, the, the conversation we have about Kyle Lowry, Kyle Lowry is here in large part because Jimmy Butler wanted him to be here. Now it has worked out, but they built this team for Jimmy. And so I think that that be, by getting Kyle. And so I think that that is why there's going to be more pressure on Jimmy from some, because we put this thing together for you. Okay. Now you've got to deliver, but I think there's also an understanding that Jimmy Butler, as you said, Greg, this probably is the best version of Jimmy that we're going to see. And that even though he's getting paid, which also puts us in the context, they, they, that's another element here. They gave him the big money going forward. Um, that, that ultimately, I think we saw two years ago that, that there was cr- crazy circumstances in the bubble, but the Jimmy Butler is your best player. You're probably not going to win a bunch of championships, but Jimmy Butler is part of a collective, uh, where he can be your driving force emotionally. And at times in a basketball sense, you're okay. I, I actually am going to go someplace else here. I, I think it's bam. Um, and, and I, I think it's bam because, I, I think we're at this stage now um, with Tyler that he's kind of playing with house money in the playoffs at this stage. I, I just think what he's done during this regular season, he's also going to be the only one of them to win an award. That's clear. When you see some of the votes, it's probably going to be the only one in the top three uh, of their particular category. I just feel like unless Tyler completely bombs this off season, I, this postseason, which I don't see happening, I think that this is going to be looked at as a step up, but bam, 
Defensively, he was as great as ever, maybe better than ever. Offensively, pretty similar to what we saw last season. And so to me, this is an opportunity in the postseason for him to show that he can carry the mantle, not just when everybody else is out and so they have to turn to him, but when everybody is together. And the other thing is we can talk about Jimmy not performing last year in the playoffs and he absolutely didn't. But the storyline of that series was not Jimmy struggling against length. The storyline of that series was Brooke Lopez backing up 10 feet deep. Okay. And letting Bam do whatever the hell he wanted. And Bam wouldn't do it. Bam was the one at the home games that the fans were getting irritated with in games three and four, every time that he wouldn't shoot, there wasn't that irritation with Jimmy necessarily because he had banked it in the finals. The last year, he banked that goodwill. Bam didn't get an opportunity to do that because he was playing so banged up. So I actually think it's more, if you're looking at the future of this franchise, I think it's more bam than it is Jimmy who, whose legacy as a leading anchor offensively is a little bit on the line in this postseason. Any of you guys want to weigh in on that? The bold claim. I just feel like bam is, is he 24? Or is he 25? 24. We can't do legacy stuff on him yet. The book hasn't been written yet. You can't, I don't know. Like we're in like chapter one or chapter one and a half. But let me right? ask you this. If Bam's going to come out, Greg, let me challenge a little bit. If Bam's going to come out, he just did that interview with sports illustrated and says he wants to be one of two Bam, one of one, but he wants to be Good one point. of two along with Dwayne Wade, right? He wants to be right there with Dwayne as, as a standard bearer for this franchise. And I'm assuming he meant being draft. I mean, he's already the second best draft pick in, in franchise history. The best draft pick in franchise history in year two of the his his year two okay was uh, would have led the Heat to a championship if he doesn't pull a rib cage muscle okay Dwayne was that good at that stage in year three Dwayne led them to a championship averaging thirty four point seven points in the finals I, I'm I'm just saying Bam is putting I, I know Bam's not going to be that kind of offensive player that Dwayne was different position different era all the rest of that but if you're going to put yourself there. I think we can stop using the, well, he's only in his fourth season. We've seen this before in someone's third season here in Miami and, and to large degree in the second made, season. Isn't that what made Dwayne's whole thing so special is that we hadn't seen it so many times. Before. No. Somebody <laughs> like Dwayne who wasn't necessarily, you know, the one of the biggest stars of that draft. Like we know the story of, of LeBron and Melo being the top dogs of that mm -hmm. draft and Bam is similar in that aspect, but we know like the differences between them. And I know what you're saying that, you know, that that's kind of the, the parallels that Bam likes to draw. But for him, like, I think that the more realistic goals when it comes to parallel between uh, Dwayne is being able to contend for championships early on and be an important cog of it, whether or not he, you know, he doesn't have the same low Dwayne had, but he is in that in a similar position as to where the heat were in that early time of Dwayne's you know, uh, era here. And I just think like for him, it's about winning. So that's where he can go and try to draw the parallels, like go out there and win a title. They already got to the finals and Bam was a huge part of that. And they did that in his first year as a starter. So I think it's tough to, you know, start using the D Wade skill because then we start getting, it's hard yeah, to yeah. give guys credit when we're trying to compare them to the to Wade, who's a top 25 player of all time. Here, so here's I, where this also gets really Ethan. You got something out for Bam Adebayo. Um, no. And by the way, I, I, hold on. Wait, 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 wait. Because like earlier this year, we were debating whether he had the personality to lead a mm -hmm. team, right? Like that, mm -hmm. like, I don't want to do the whole alpha thing because the alpha beta, like that, uh, that shit's whack to me. But anyway, um, 
So now he's actually like, this is an alpha statement, right? Like I'm going to be like, he's putting himself in the same I sentence like with Dwayne Wade. I so like it. to your point, I understand where you're going in that he's putting those expectations on himself. So now he's going to have to back that up. But I just feel like to Alex's point, I think Bam is more holistically looking at, can I be a part of championship groups in Miami? And I mean, I think we all can agree if the Heat were to win the championship this year, Bam's number 13 would leave the rafters for Dan Marino and it would go up for Bam Adebayo no matter what he did the rest of his career. No, Am I, I wrong? Wait, quick I, thing, just to, yes. just to uh, hop on to something here. Jimmy was absolutely scolded for the way that he performed last season. Everybody constantly points to how Bryn Forbes outscored him. They do, round. Alex, but Jimmy you were in the building, score though. On Giannis. He couldn't score on Giannis, couldn't score I, on none of those bucks. I, I, so I, I think he, he was awful. Bad. Alex, he was awful, but I'm telling you, you were in the building with me. Those two games, the, the guy who was getting the booze what, because of the way that the series was playing out was not Jimmy. It was Bam. I just That's just the way it was. I mean, we talked about the importance. That game one, okay, which they could have – then I'm going to respond to Greg's point about being, me being against Bam. I love Bam, okay? So I'm not going to let this go I know too this. Far. That's why I set you up to get you on fire. Okay, I've, been, I've, been, I've defended Bam as much as anybody, but I'm just saying you're putting yourself there, which I like. But I think that there is a level that I, I think I think fans and I think observers want to see. And I'm going to get into some of the others in his in his grouping, okay, and some of the things that they may accomplish in this postseason. All right, now Bam's got a gold medal. Bam has far exceeded expectations in every sense. But last year, we can talk about how awful Jimmy was, okay, in the last three games, and he was. But Jimmy almost stole him game one in Milwaukee, and that series might have looked a lot different if he had, if you remember that, okay? The game did go to overtime, and then they collapsed from game two on. The consistent storyline in that series was was Brooke was disrespecting Bam, and Bam didn't make him pay. That was, to me, that was, that was the number one storyline of that series. But get, getting back to Bam for a second, all right? I, 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 the reason I say it's Bam is because I, I think there's an acknowledgement, even inside the Heat organization, that Jimmy has hit not, I wouldn't call it a plateau, but we kind of know what it is. I keep saying that, like, you know what you're going to get from Jimmy Butler. The two games he gave you against uh, the, the Lakers were outliers. He was possessed. It was tremendous. It's not the norm. It's not what should be expected at this stage. When we're looking for somebody to, to lead them to a championship, you're going to need somebody to play at a top 10 level. Like, doesn't have to be a top 10 player the entire season. Jimmy almost did it two years ago. But I think now you're looking more to Bam and perhaps to Tyler. But I'm gonna I'm gonna put it more on Bam though, because Bam has he's he's older than Tyler. He's been in the league longer than Tyler. His role may not be the same offensively as Tyler. I get that. I know Alice is gonna jump in on me about that because that's clear. Okay, but I'm just saying, <laughs> I'm just saying, I'm looking at it, I'm saying if they're gonna win a title. Bam has to be great. He has to be great. And, and that's, and, and so when I'm saying legacy on the line, I'm not just saying it as a negative, as a pejorative, I'm saying to a certain degree, Bam can cement his legacy. This, this off this postseason with what he does. Okay. Not just defensively and being in my view, the best defensive player in the league. Okay. But what he does as a key cog of their offense, which he was not last postseason, if he's averaging 15, 16 points this postseason, okay, and he's taking two shots in the fourth quarter, it does hurt his legacy as a standard bearer of this franchise going forward. That's just the way that I view it. 
go. That's fair. I don't like debating you when you get in this mode because uh, I agree basically wholeheartedly with everything you just said. Yeah, Alex, I mean, are you going to give me the hero bam offensive stuff? Because that was going through my head. That that actually didn't go through my head at all. I was because the thing is, I was when, when you when you brought this up earlier, I was going through it, and Bam was one of the choices for me too. I don't think you know saying that is crazy at all. It's just tough when you say legacy because that almost kind of implies like, oh, his career is on the line here. That's why I went Spolstra because I'm like thinking like who is like at the crossroads okay, okay, of some let, sort. Let, you know what I let, mean? Let, like, let's do the Spo thing though because I think like for the same reasons that I that I was talking about Jimmy before. Uh, you know, Bam, like you said, very recently laid an egg in the playoffs. And I, I was just saying that I think both of them kind of more or less equally laid an egg. Like, I think they both played pretty bad. And uh, I think a lot of the, my expectations just has to do with with Bam's role in the offense. And I just feel like if Bam's field goal attempts aren't going up by a lot this uh, in this playoffs, other than obviously, you know, he's going to be playing more minutes than he is uh, during the regular season. So the attempts will go up relatively because of that but if it's like if it's looking bad when it comes to field goal attempts if there's not more of an emphasis to get him going in the fourth quarters he's having fourth quarters like what you said Ethan where he's you know just not very much a part of the offense or they're not looking to get him going at all then it's hard for me to you know like I've said on plenty of shows in the past blame bam because it's like at some point if you're running sets for all your other best players and even role players like Max and and Duncan like, I think you could run a set or two for Bam every now and then. I'm with, I'm with you. But then the question becomes, why aren't they, right? So, that, that see, that that's the next layer of it because we've had the same conversation. I'm not saying we're going to have it this postseason. We could be pleasantly surprised, okay? But I'm saying no. we had it after last postseason, and Pat Riley basically said, we're going to, I suppose, going to put him in better position. We've discussed this numerous times. It happened at times this year, not at other times. Happened more since he came back from the injury, to be honest. And, and you hope that that's going to continue to happen. But I got one more. And then Remember after the Boston break, series. well, I want to talk about Spo after the break. Okay. Cause I think Greg makes a good point, but before I do, is it possible to say that the legacy that's on the line here is the Jimmy bam partnership at the top of the franchise? Is, is that, is, is that Ooh. a fairer way to put this? Because if let, let's say they go out in the second out round, the first round yeah. Yeah. focus of the build, it, it, can it be Jimmy and Bam is the focus of the build that that is the burning question. If it's okay. ugly, I think, yeah, that's fair. If it's like uh, they go out competitively versus the team that's supposed to be, you know, quote unquote, better than them, then I don't know, because I, I'm not there. Like, I think it would have to go down like in an ugly way for that to really be a question. All right, we're going to talk about Duncan Robinson's legacy is the one. <laughs> All right, well, we're not, we're not, I'm not, I'm not letting Greg weigh in on that uh, at this moment, but at some point we will here. I, before we do, we're going to talk about Eric Spolster here because I, I think it's, it's a salient point that Greg's making and he was on my list. Also, before we do, I want to tell you about a great sponsor of the Five Reasons Sports Network. Our friends are at You Break Wheel Fix. They're the big three of all your car wheel needs. They handle the repair, the refinishing, and they got a custom wheel specialist there to make them look really, really nice. They even got the vice colors there if you want them. They repair damaged wheels from curb rash, cracks, or bends all under one roof with in-house powder coating, CNC machining, and polishing. They offer the new custom wheels, too, and tires from your favorite brands, and they offer no credit check financing up to five grand for a new set of wheels. Fast turnaround times on all repairs, and they even provide the loaner wheels in many cases. You Break Wheel Fix is your total automotive wheel solution located in North Miami, right off of Biscayne and Northeast 146th Street. They're actually going to be moving soon to a bigger facility. We'll tell you about it when it comes, but you can still reach them uh, down there in the Miami Shores area. Again, it's youbreakwheelfix.com. 
or you break wheel fix on Instagram, on Twitter, and on Facebook. You can see all their great work. 305-748-0112. 305-748-0112. That's you break. That's the letter U. You break wheelfix.com. All right, let's get to the Eric Spolster thing. And then I'm going to allow us to at least do a little Tyler here uh, because I, I, I feel like we don't, people are going are gonna to question it. But on Eric Spolster, he's not going to win coach of the year. Um, apparently, uh, he doesn't have any good players because they're not up for any awards with the exception of Tyler. But they just won, that 50, sure, huh? they won 53 games by osmosis. There's no chance he wins coach of the year. I, I, I've looked at... If you just look at the ballots that are circulating, league people uh, that I've talked to, media voters, uh, it's Monty, it's it's maybe Taylor Jenkins. Uh, I think Bickerstaff slid down because Cleveland slid down. Obviously, Billy Donovan slid with that way down. Uh, but I think I think it's those two. I think there'll be some votes for Nick Nurse that get thrown in there. I think there'll be some votes for Ty Lue that get Dope thrown up. in there. I think I Monty's going to run away with it. I th- I think my, I don't know if he's going to run away. I think he's I think he gets maybe fifty percent of the vote, and the other fifty percent is split between a bunch of guys. One of which is going to be Eric Spolster. But but the thing is this, okay? We've now seen another coach get fired by LeBron, uh, Frank Vogel. That's now five coaches who have not survived the LeBron era. Uh, Ty Lue was fired shortly after LeBron left, so he doesn't really count. Eric Spolster is the only one who's completely still standing. Uh, Eric hasn't gotten really any credit for that. Um, I think I, you know, I've heard some crazy takes. There's some stuff on again, Twitter. Uh, these are not, these are not NBA media, but that Eric lost his team. I mean, they won, they won six straight after he supposedly lost his team. Um, but I do think that there is a narrative that could be pushed if they go out early, early. Okay. Like, because again, if you're the one seed, then that becomes an issue, you know, if like, if they got balanced in the first round, then I do think that Eric, in terms of the playoff success gets brought up because then people say, well, he got to the finals, but he got there in the bubble. And then previous to that, you know, he's been to, he hasn't been to a conference finals other than that since, uh, you know, since LeBron left and, and may have gotten there if Whiteside and it wasn't hurt and Bosch uh, hadn't gotten sick. Do, do you, do you see Spolcher getting any criticism or his legacy being a, not locally, nationally if he if he doesn't progress here in the playoffs i just don't think anybody's going to really talk about it i mean i brought him up just thinking about the the small faction of nba twitter that would try to you know convince me that brad stevens is a better coach or whoever the different dude of the month is nick nurse whatever um i ultimately think that spolstra's legacy is cemented in miami to the point where it doesn't really matter what happens go forward he's going to be fine he's kind of impervious to criticism i almost think like the league too um the league holds him in higher regard than its observers do so like the people within the league hold him in a different spot than um than just like national media, et cetera, just flies under the radar. So I brought him up at the beginning and everyone probably immediately scoffed because ultimately it's to be scoffed at. But I do think that there is at some point, if, if Spolstra never gets to the finals outside of the bubble, cause that's just such a bullshit excuse, but it's never going to go away. And if he never wins a championship without LeBron James, there's going to be people who point to that and say, like, you know, win one without number six. You think there's any situation, Alex, where he gets out coached in the East playoffs? It could happen. Like, I still think Spo is the best coach in the league, but 
if you want to go with the technicalities, is it fair to say he was outcoached by Mike Budenholzer, who we all clowned the season before uh, this kind past of. playoff run? Like, I think we saw that that one adjustment. Obviously, there's more than one, but the big one that we all talked about and that stood out that I alluded to earlier was them kind of moving the defensive matchups around and kind of setting that. Well, they're not the ones who set the blueprint, but they copied the blueprint that Vogel did against Jimmy in the bubble finals when the Heat were missing Bam and Goron. They just switched up the matchups, had AD guard Jimmy, and then they switched up other things they did on the back line with AD there. They did that. The Budenholzer did that with Giannis, and the Heat, like, just kind of weren't able to, were, you know, were not able to adjust to that. And maybe it's more, you know, to defense bow here is just the team did not really, you know, personnel-wise was not really built to adjust to that. You know, they didn't have other options. Tyler wasn't the guy he is now. Goron was kind of cooked, as we discussed last season. Uh, we love Goron, but it just, uh, they didn't have enough. And so I think now, like, I, and I don't think, by the way, that bringing up Spo as an option here is to be scoffed at. I think it's true with everything you're saying. Like, that's kind of been the, the resounding narrative amongst a good chunk of fans, I feel, that he kind of got to all that winning because of the big three. And I think ever since uh, some of the stuff he's done over the years, you know, the 11 and 30 to 30 and 11, taking that team to the bubble finals, they obviously had that good team uh, that everything happened with Chris Bosh and losing Whiteside in the playoffs. Like, I just think there's been enough years now of him proving he's going to get the best out of guys where like season after season, they're doing better than you think, right? Pretty much every single season. And then, you know, I, so, yeah, he can be outcoached, but uh, I'm not really expecting that to happen in this playoffs. Like, who's going to outcoach him? Uh, Bickerstaff or Steve Nash? Uh, absolutely not. Well, I, I think you look at the Eastern Conference uh, and the coaches right now. And first I think thing, he, I, he has everything he, he wants and will need to outcoach another guy. Like, I think that's the difference between this year and last year. I, I think when you look at um, the East, okay, first thing, I, I think last year, he was exhausted like the rest of them were exhausted. Uh, they, there just were he there just were no fresh ideas from him last year by the end. Whereas this year we've seen a bunch of fresh ideas, some of which we've kind of projected based on his history, but there's been like little tweaks to them that we weren't necessarily expecting, or maybe the timing of them we weren't expecting. I can also just tell you from being around a little bit the last two years, obviously not as much as I used to be. He just seems refreshed this year uh, compared to last year. He it's more like it was prior to the bubble. When I said at that first media day, Oh my God, it looks like the white side cloud has been lifted off his shoulders. And we I saw that, that the entire season. And then, you know, even with COVID, I think that being in the bubble was stimulating for him because it's that kind of basketball environment. He loved that. And last year was just a total drag for him and everybody else. So I give him a bit of a pass for last season. I do think there are coaches in the East who could give him trouble. I think it's a good group, honestly. Um, to me, I, I was I was looking at this today. I think Steve Nash is probably the worst of the group. I think Doc Rivers is the bottom tier of the group, even though he's got some track record. But, I mean, Nick Nurse is an exceptional coach. I think – uh, Udoka had, had a terrific first season. If you look at the way that he will see how he does in a playoff run, but that, and Boston looks like they, and that guy has been a potential head coaching candidate for a long time. So that, that didn't really come out of nowhere. Um, Ty Lue. I, well, Ty Lue's in the West. Okay. But, but I think, but I'm talking about in the East. I mean, we'll, we'll get to the West later, but I mean, I think if you look at the rest of the East, I mean, look, Boonholzer, we all have their issue, our issues with certain things that he does, but he he's championship minted now to, you know, at least he's gotten over the hump uh, the, he will present. And he knows this Miami team very well. They'll, they'll he'll present some challenges. I think you look at, 
I don't think Bickerstaff's got the material right now. I like Borrego as a coach. I don't think he's got the material right now. Uh, Nate, to me, we've seen in the playoffs last year was kind of an anomaly compared to his previous uh, his previous seasons as a head coach. And who am I missing? I've got Philly. I've got Brooklyn. I mean, that's that's pretty much it, right? So Billy Donovan, I, Doc Rivers. You, you I mean, mentioned those two. Yeah, I mean Billy. I, I like Billy as a coach, but Billy. I think Billy overachieved with this group the first half of the season and knew he'd overachieved. And they've come back to earth quite a bit. And there, there's other things that need to be done there. But but look, I think, look, a playoff series with Nick Nurse in the second round, if, if that Toronto team beats Philadelphia, I mean, that's not going to be easy. I mean, they they will, Nick Nurse will make it hard on, on the Heat. And they've got they've got enough players uh, to make it challenging for the Heat's best players. So, I you know, that's that's one of them. I think if, if the Heat got to the finals, you then you couldn't say that Spolster underachieved, right? So then his legacy would be secure. That's why I don't mention the Gentrys, the Taylor Jenkinses, uh, you know, the Steve Kerr's, because by that point we'd be like Spo got him to the finals again. Uh, and and actually, I mean, that would be how many times? That would be what six finals appearance. <laughs> Excuse me, you for know, that would also um just to close the loop on this, if they got to the finals, it would actually help Jimmy Bam and Spolster's legacies because there's a certain element of this where you just want the opportunity right. to compete for championships. And that would be that. So, all right. So, so, again. so go ahead. Well, here's, here's the final. All right. I'm going to save the final question for after the break, because I, I think you've raised a good point here. Cause I think there's a threshold when we talk about legacies, okay, and, and what they mean. Before we do, the one more sponsor that we want to tell you about. So many of our sponsors here are local in South Florida, including our friends over at All Pro Construction Builders. Reach out to Danny. That's our guy, 305-484-4429. Hurricane season always around the corner. You got to protect your home or business. Contact All Pro Construction Builders. They specialize in the impact windows and doors for residential and commercial properties. All Pro Construction Builders is a state certified licensed and insured general contractor. They service Miami-Dade, Monroe, and also Broward, and they use locally made American products. They're also, as I said, family owned and operated. You will deal directly with the owner and his family from start to finish. Call Danny at 305-484-4429. That's 305-484-4429. You'll get a free estimate. If you mention five reasons, you get a 10% discount. Again, Danny, 305-484-4429. Greg, you always cite that uh, phrase that I use all the time, the playoffs tell. And, and I think what's fascinating like about, 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 yeah, what's fascinating about the playoffs is that they tell you different things at different times, you know, I, I, and they're also legacies are defined by the craziest events. LeBron James legacy in Miami was defined in large part by a Chris Bosch rebound and a Ray Allen shot. Okay. And then nobody remembers what LeBron did in that fourth quarter, even though it was significant to get them to that point. It's just, it's, it's the, it's a matchup. It's the way the ball bounces. It's an injury. It's a suspension. Uh, you know, I mean, look, his legacy would be much different in Cleveland. If you didn't have the Draymond green suspension, there, there's so many things that happen. And even with the heat, you know, Jamal Mashburn developed, you know, a, a legacy off one play in Miami off passing to Clarence Weatherspoon. Like he did other good things in that postseason. Nobody remembers any of them. All anybody remembers is that and him coming back with Charlotte and torching Miami. Um, you know, it, it, there's so many of those things. You know, Tim Hardaway had some struggles in some playoff series, but people remember the 38 points uh, in the first round against the Knicks. Right. Like that's the way we look at it. And, and the one I want to use here as we go forward in terms of how a legacy is defined is Chris Bosch. I covered all of those playoff series and Heat fans were all over him 
for Kevin Garnett outplaying him, for Roy Hibbert outplaying to the point right. that like Chris didn't want to talk about either of those two players, like the most genial player that I've ever covered, the best conversationalist. And like, he was like shooting evil eyes into you in the Indiana gym. Okay. About asking about Hibbert again. Um, and now, I mean, Roy Hibbert is forgotten and Chris Bosch is in the hall of fame, right? Like it, that's it's why it's, he was looking at y'all like that. <laughs> that's right. It, it's right. Well, but that's the thing like uh, matchups uh, do crazy things to you. So I, I guess I'll put it this way to both of you as we close, you know, what is the point where, where the legacies are sort of secure here? Because if the heat get bounced in the first round, everybody's legacy is tarnished. If you, if you, particularly if you lose to say an Atlanta or a Cleveland in the first round, right? Like what is, I mean, you get to the finals. I figure everybody's legacy is fine. Okay. You're right. But, but if you get bounced in the first round, it's not just the players. It's Pat Riley who's going to get thrown under the bus by a lot of people like another, another team with a first round exit. Right. Well, I may jump in front of that bus just to make sure that Pat doesn't get hit by it. But um, I think that this there's an element of this that we are trying to figure out whether this team is good enough as presently constructed to win it all. Do they have that top level overwhelming talent in a seven game series that can just um that can take over essentially is I guess the question that we're really asking. And so, as you say, the playoffs tell that is like, so when we talk about legacies and that kind of stuff, I do think that this build as, as it, like if they don't make the finals, the noise surrounding, can Jimmy Butler be the best player on this team? Can Bam Adebayo be the second best scorer? Is Tyler Hero good enough to be the primary offensive option, or do you need a better version of Tyler Hero or a more ready version of Tyler Hero? I think that that may all be BS by the end of this, but um, those are the questions that are getting asked. So it's finals or bust. Like I think fans are at that spot with this particular group. You think it's finals or bust? Yeah, I wouldn't have gone that far. I, I think it's conference finals or bust with this group. I, I, I feel like if, if they lose a hard fought six or seven game series to Milwaukee. Okay. Yeah. I, okay. I could I, buy that. You know what I'm saying? I, I'm I, 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 I feel like it's different with Boston because I feel like there'd be more disappointment there, Alex, because Boston, I mean, we kind of buried Boston and their whole build two months into this thing. Like we're mocking them. Danny Ainge left. What the hell is Brad Stevens doing? They don't have a point card, right? Like I, but Milwaukee, like we all expected Milwaukee to be in the mix at the end of this thing. Like regardless of losing a player here or there, adding a player here or there, right? Like losing to Giannis in the Eastern conference finals in six games when he may be the transcendent player of this particular era. I, I, I mean, to me, that's like the Lowry DeRozan, Raptors losing to LeBron in the Eastern conference finals, right? Like it, it doesn't mean you're a failure. It just means you just may not be good enough or it might be like the Paul George, you know, Danny Granger, Lance Stevenson, Roy Hibbert Pacers losing to the heat or the Patrick Ewing Knicks, you know, losing to, or the Reggie Miller Pacers losing to Jordan. Like Giannis may just be that good. Like, so if they lose in the Eastern conference finals, is, is that a legacy barometer for you to them? I think what you said is about right. I, finals or bust is really tough. I do feel what Leif was saying there, but finals are bust. I mean, finals or bust is just so tough when I think you look at the Eastern Conference. Like you said, you laid it out there very succinctly. And I just think, you know, 
to be fair, as far as the Celtics thing, I knew they were going to be a really good defensive <laughs> team. But you're 100% right that the way it started off, the way they created it, we're fighting with each other, just, you know, we're not winning very many games early on. It didn't look like something that, you know, they were essentially going to be able to fix and put together in the middle of the season. And they did, right? It's not like trading for Derek White saved everything, but that was like kind of the last cherry on top to add to them playing well was adding a piece like him and just kind of solidifying their rotation. And they've just been there ever since. And I think they've had similar problems to the Heat as far as clutch offense. You've beaten them in the past, um, and you're supposed to be a team that's built to beat teams like that. And I think the Heat are built to beat teams like the Celtics. So I think I'm, I'm to, to kind of put a cherry on top of what I'm saying here is, yeah, it's kind of Eastern Conference finals or bust because if you lose to the Sixers or the Raptors in the second round, that's a disappointment. Yeah, yeah. Even, even yeah. with the Sixers having, you know, the two big-name players, for Heat fans, that's a huge disappointment. There's still the possibility of getting the Nets in the first round. And I know people are still afraid of the Nets. Losing in the first round yeah, as the yeah. one seed is a complete yeah. disappointment. We know yeah. the Nets are not your typical seven seed. That's fine. It's Kevin Durant. That's cool. You can't lose in the first round as a one seed. They, It's happened to the Heat in the past. They can't do it again. Right. So if they I'm, lose I'm with in you. Six. It's conference finals are bust. And it's got to go down against the Bucks like really competitively. They can't be those Raptors or Hawks getting run over. If they lose in six, Ethan, do you think that they bring back the same group to Milwaukee? Let's grant it. It's still in six. So on their home. So like, however that works out. So it wouldn't be on their home floor, but essentially they go out. It's not a seven game series. Do you really think that this is the the exact team that gets brought back with marginal changes surrounding those main guys? I don't know if it's the exact team, but I think you can, you know, unless, unless Bam and Jimmy really struggle, I think that, that they would bring back the primaries in the build. I, I think the problem becomes the hero question then and what role he had in winning or losing and then whether or not it can be justified to try to quote unquote upgrade for the time being. Because I, the point I always make about a hero trade is that it may not look like an upgrade in two or three years with, with the way that Tyler is trending, uh, but it may be, okay, we got to go for this now. We can't wait on Tyler. I think that's a harder argument to make with how much progress Tyler made this season, because I think you can just say, give Tyler another year, let him develop this. And that's where you're going to be. Um, I, I do think the reason it's Eastern conference finals or bust this point is the way that the bracket set up. If the bracket had set up differently where Milwaukee was your second round opponent, or maybe even Boston, it's, it, it, it looks different, but you got the bracket you wanted. Forget the nets. Okay. We'll see how that plays out, but I'm talking about the second round series with Toronto or Philadelphia, you absolutely would take that if you were the Heat. And, and, and so if they don't get out of that bracket to the Eastern Conference Finals, I think there will be significant disappointment. I think losing to Milwaukee at that stage is, okay, you know, we got to take another run. And we've seen, you know, Riley has taken another run at teams, made a tweak, and gotten over the top. I don't think you would see kind of the 2005 offseason blow it up. I don't think they can. So I, I feel like it would be tweaks. I just want to say one thing for people who are not confident in the way that the Heat view things. Conversations that I had with Heat people, prominent Heat people, before the season said exactly this to me. They said, Phoenix is going to be the best team in the league this year. Okay, but there are five or six other teams that can win it. And here we are entering the playoffs, and that's exactly where the Heat are and where they knew they would be. And they're in the one seed in the Eastern Conference, which shows that they climbed some of those teams. But they went out and paid the extra money and the extra year for Kyle Lowry more than they wanted to because they knew that this thing was wide open. Okay, 
And also what was cited to me was, yeah, Phoenix is really good, but Golden State was really good a couple of years ago. And then Kevin Durant and Clay Thompson got hurt in the finals and Toronto came up with a championship, not to disparage them. Toronto was a very good team. We know that, but crazy things happen over the course of two months. Look at Luca. Okay. Look what happened here in the last game. What if that happens to Giannis? What if that happens to Chris Paul, which we've seen that can happen to Chris Paul. Miami just wanted to be in position. They're in position. They read the, they read the landscape correctly. They read their team correctly. They read their depth correctly. They made majority correct decisions this year with who they played, who they didn't play, who they elevated. Uh, and I feel like they're in good position. And so I think at this stage, you can say they overachieved with 53 wins. They did. I had them at 51 before the year. They beat what I projected. Um, they're a one seed. I had them in a three seed. They, they did better than expected as a regular season team. But right here, right now, from where it's starting, number one seed in the Eastern Conference, they got to get they got to get to the Eastern Conference Finals. That, that's, that's the way I view it. You look at 2005, okay? They were the number one seed. They got to the Eastern Conference Finals. They lost Detroit because they had a bad break. That stuff happens in the Eastern Conference Finals. True. But you got to get there. You got to get there, I think, for this to be considered a successful season for the organization. Uh, so that's what we're expecting. I think that's Milwaukee honestly what's going to happen. No, all I said was give Milwaukee a run. That's that's all I really think they need to see, like a real, real run, not just, you know, losing six. No, it's got to be like, you know, really make the Bucks feel like they can lose too because right. that's what this team was built for. It's literally what they were built for. Get in the get in the arena with the Milwaukee Bucks and Giannis Antetokounmpo, and roll it out and see how it works. That's that's where this organization wanted to be this year, and I believe as we go into the playoffs, that's where they're going to be. All right, check out our off the floor subscriber feed. Uh, make sure you, that you subscribe to that one. Got a lot of ton of cool content on there. Got a week before the playoffs to try it out. Okay, decide if you want it or not. We got something cool coming up on Thursday night. Um, we may engage some folks uh, from where Greg and, and Alex used to be, have a little competition with our friends over at Miami Heat Beat. So make sure you check that out on Thursday night. Have a good night, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Five on the Floor on the Five Regional Sports Network.